Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Kirby. And I'm Sarah. Welcome Welcome to to Los Los Angeles. Angeles. Every week we break down the most important beauty news and launches, interview your favorite beauty experts, influencers, and celebrity guests, and review our favorite beauty products of the moment as your beauty editor BFFs from the beautiful and great city of Los Angeles. Welcome Glamgelinos! We hope you stay a while. (laughs) Cute. That's cute. Hey Kirby. Hello! I was looking through, I don't know if you do this, I do this every day now because I just am like living vicariously through my my previous life, even though I am fully enjoying momhood, um, and but not so much the quarantine life. So I look on Instagram stories to see like what I was doing last year or two years ago or three years ago. And last year, I Instagrammed that we were recording separately via Zoom. This is our anniversary of recording remotely. I was literally sitting on a bed trying to record. I didn't have an office set up. I didn't have anything. It was just complete chaos. And look at us now. Look at us now. We figured it out. I feel like we thought it was temporary, which I think everyone thought it was temporary. Remember how we thought it was just going to be two weeks of not going into an office or something for some people? We decided we weren't going to go to South by Southwest. Yes, Oh my gosh. We had a fabulous press trip lined up for the summer that we were like, oh, we'll be able to go to that. It'll be fine. Not even for the summer. We were going to go on a Chanel press trip in March. In March. Oh, it was March? I don't even, time is, I don't know what time But remember they moved it and they said, hey, we're thinking June now because of the shutdowns. And then obviously that never happened. It's been a year of living like this. I can't even believe it. I can't believe that we lived and are living through a pandemic. That's the stuff you just read about in history books, right? I know that we're all so used to like walking around with our masks on and when we watch, you know, sporting events now, everyone's wearing their mask. But oftentimes I just, it hits me that that's what is happening. And I'm like, if you pulled me from 2019 Sarah and dropped me off in 2021, I would be like, I'm in an episode of Black Mirror. This is not real. It's absolutely wild. Well, but anyways, anyways happy, happy anniversary, one year anniversary. Yeah, seriously. Holy moly. Um, I hope everybody listening is holding up well and doing what you need to do to get by. And and thank you to everyone who have have been supporting us, been listening to us throughout this whole time. We hope that we've provided a bright spot or at least have been somewhat entertaining. Yeah. Uh, during your quarantine. <laughs> That's all we can do here. We're here to educate and entertain and hopefully we've done both of them if not one of the two yes yes so sarah do you have anything on your face this week kirby i don't actually and you know kirby and i have been taking turns i think we we talked about this about talking about what's on our face every week because it's it's not not that it's difficult to find a product that we love and want to praise but it's just you know 
it takes us a while to like really test out a product and see whether or not we love it. And so, you know, to come up with a new product every week is a lot. So this week, I don't really have anything that I've been super excited about. I do have about a bajillion packages that I have to open and I'm sure that I will quickly fall in love with something. But there is currently nothing on my face this week. But I know that there's something on your hair, wall, vanity situation, Kirby. Tell us about it. So I actually, I have a little list of things that I've been testing and loving. And since you don't have anything, I figured, okay, this is the perfect time to sing the praises of this product. I think it's awesome. It's not something that you wear. It's something that your bathroom wears. It's an accessory for your bathroom. If you do not have a Dyson Airwrap, you may be like, Kirby, come the F on. Give me a break. Y'all know we stand the Dyson Airwrap. It is, it is just truly one of the best inventions of the past 20 years. One of the few tools that I've been using during quarantine. But the thing about the Dyson Airwrap, if you have one, is you know it's bulky, okay? It, it's not like a normal hair dryer that you can kind of bend and make it compact and then wrap it around somewhere and hide it. It's very, very bulky. So for a long, a very long period of time, I mean, since I've had the air wrap I was keeping it in a drawer so I have you know my face masks in a drawer I have my lipsticks in a drawer had a drawer that was specifically for the air wrap but I was a little nervous that it was going to end up hurting I it, you can't hurt an inanimate object obviously but I, I was afraid that it might damaging damage thank you the electrical cord all that good stuff. And then, of course, you have all the accessories and they're rolling around everywhere. It's just kind of a nightmare. And some some people bought it and they got the leather case. I got the leather case. It's beautiful. Do I use it? No. I currently use the leather case, but it is always in the way. Yeah. It's like so beautiful to look at, but it's not um, uh, functional. functional. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. And, and I don't have any qualms saying that. But fam, let me tell you. I found something on good old Amazon. I know some of y'all may not be Amazon fans, and I hear you on that. But sometimes, sometimes Amazon pulls through. And I'm going to tell you about this wall mount, okay? It's called, it's from a band, a band, it's from a brand called Eomagy, like image E. I'm giving it a little flair. It's actually <laughs> I-A-M-A-G-I-E. We'll have this linked on our website, Obvi. And it is this wall mount that holds the Dyson Airwrap Styler. So what they did, it's incredible. You have to bolt it into your wall, but it has a little rack that the actual device, it's like a little cradle. There we go. A little cradle. And then on the back bar, there are perfectly measured cutouts for each of the different attachments. So for the two brushes, for the round brush, and then for the four barrels, so you just put them in there and kind of twist them and then they lock very similar to how they would lock in the air wrap. And then there's a little hook underneath the cradle that you can get your your little wires all rolled up and it just, it fits perfectly. I have it nestled, basically I have a mirror in my bathroom and it's right next to an outlet. So I just keep it plugged in. It's compact, it makes everything look good. It's easy to get. I don't have to go over to a drawer and get the whole thing out. I don't have to worry about the electrical getting messed up in some way because of the way it's positioned within a drawer. It's initially 80, 
No, $90. That's a lot. It is a lot. But let me tell you, this is money well spent. You will not be disappointed. You will be thanking God that you have this because if you use the Dyson Airwrap as much as I use it, it's a pain in the butt to try to get it in and out of a drawer and make sure that it fits properly, right? Anyways, I'm a huge fan. We're going to link it. It has totally changed the game when it comes to, you know, keeping this thing together, but also displaying it and having it easy access to use whenever you want it. So shout out to Yamaji <laughs> wall mount holder for the Dyson Airwrap. I'm going to have to check this out. I will go check this out. It's fabulous. It's absolutely fabulous. Okay, so when we talked about Becca shutting down in September, we got some questions via DM about the family tree, if you will, of beauty brands. What brands own what other brands? How does that work? And there were a lot of questions too, like, hey, if my favorite brand gets acquired by a conglomerate, does that mean the formula is going to change? Does that mean the brand is no longer cruelty-free? Etc. Etc. So we figured this is just going to be an episode that breaks down who owns what because really there's only eight brands that own the market share of beauty, which is insane. It is absolutely wild. It's crazy. It's crazy. And if you haven't listened, there is a, a podcast. It's um, I believe it's like Lauder versus L'Oreal. Don't quote me on that, but it's a really interesting podcast that teaches you the history of these brands and how they started to take the market share. Um, I'm going to link it in our show notes, but I'm, I'm not finished with it. it. I think it's like a weekly thing, but it's been really fascinating to listen to. Oh my gosh, I have to listen to this. Oh, you're going to love it. It's great. We're going to start things off by breaking down the top eight, the great eight, if you will, Ooh. who they are and what brands they own. This is not a definitive list. If you go online, I'm sure you'll find like every single brand that these bigger brands own. So we are starting with Estee Lauder companies. You all have heard of Estee Lauder and you all are familiar with all of the brands that they own, I'm sure, but maybe you didn't know that they owned them. Estee Lauder currently owns MAC Cosmetics, La Mer, Tom Ford Beauty, Estee Lauder obviously, Bobbi Brown Cosmetics, Glam Glow, DCM, Too Faced, Clinique, Smashbox, and Becca Cosmetics, may they rest in peace. A lot of household beauty names, a lot of very well-respected beauty names, very prestige. Obviously, you have the La Mer, Tom Ford Beauty, Bobbi Brown Cosmetics, MAC, so they've got the artistry. Then they have some fun brands like Glam Glow and Too Faced and Becca, which were more recent acquisitions in the last, you know, 10 years or whatever. And then they are getting into the more Gen Z DCM brands. But then, of course, Clinique and Smashbox, like I said, household names. And they own like tons more. Bumble and Bumble, Aveda, Dr. Jart. Go onto their website and scroll and you will be amazed because you'll be like, wow, they own at least five of your favorite beauty brands, right Kirby? Totally correct. It's crazy. And and that's because, you know, Estee Lauder, obviously she created the company. She's one of the first. She was one of the first in, in that world. L'Oreal was also a big, probably, I, I would say the biggest have to be Estee and mm-hmm. L'Oreal, which yeah. brings us to L'Oreal. And L'Oreal, obviously they have the L'Oreal portfolio, you know, L'Oreal Paris, L'Oreal Professional, all of that. They own NYX Cosmetics or NYX Professional Makeup. 
Yep. La Roche-Posay, Vichy, Urban Decay, It Cosmetics, Essie, Lancome, Kiehl's, Garnier, SkinCeuticals, and Clarisonic, R.I.P. So I think it's really interesting that both... I like that we had end the last one. R.I.P. I I just think it's interesting that both Estee and L'Oreal both have brands that have folded within the past year as two of the biggest conglomerates here, right? Yeah. Um, And I think it's also really interesting to note Too Faced... I believe was bought for like a billion dollars. Yeah. They had a huge payout when yep. they were purchased by Estee Lauder. And that was around the time of the Sweet Peach launch. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. We remember that benefit- party? We, I was going to say, we benefited from that acquisition because Jared Blandino threw himself a huge party, as he should have. And it was fabulous. Yeah. They brought in Mindy Weiss, the party planner to the stars. They had the party at Own Studios off of Santa Monica Boulevard. There were peaches everywhere. I mean, it smelled it like smelled peaches like, when you walked it in. It was truly unbelievable. But I will say, the thing about throwing a party that big is once you throw a party that big. Hard to top. Hard to top. Nothing compares to <laughs> it. It's it's really hard to top that. It's really hard to top that. That, that was one of the biggest acquisitions. And then also, you know, for L'Oreal, It Cosmetics. When they, I'm, maybe it was um, It Cosmetics that L'Oreal bought for $1.2 billion. I can't remember exactly how much they bought Too Faced for. But it was a shit ton of money. L'Oreal spent a lot of money on NYX as well. Yes, yes. Um, Tony Co. is sitting pretty in a very beautiful home, as we've discussed in the past. Congrats to Tony. And, and you know what? So is uh, Jamie Kern Lima lives next door to Oprah. Just fathom that piece of information. Go into the Montecito Farmer's Market with Oprah and Megan. You know what? Someone online was like, did Megan and Harry and Oprah have that interview at Jamie Kern Lima's house? Because they were trying to figure out whose house it was because they both said it wasn't theirs. Yeah, because it can't be. But someone said it was Rob Lowe's, which is where Chris Pratt and Katherine Schwarzenegger got married. I'm like, damn, is Rob Lowe just like renting out his house for shit? It would have been funny if it was like at Jamie's house anyways. So the big two, I would say, are ELC and L'Oreal. Yes. Okay. So now we have Shiseido Group, which I think everyone is really familiar with the Shiseido brand themselves. So Kirby, did you know Shiseido started in 1872? What? They were a... Yeah, I know. Been around for a long time. Yeah, launched in Tokyo, Um, It was a family business and they started out as a Japan's first Western style pharmacy. That's so interesting. Yeah. It's so interesting that Japan would want Western, Westernized beauty. You know what I mean? Because I feel like we are always looking to places like Japan for them to lead the charge. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously they were very ahead of the game, which is why they are so huge and successful. Um, So who does Shiseido own? They own a bunch of brands. In addition to a bunch of like Japanese brands, they own Laura Mercier, Clidipo, Bare Minerals and NARS. Um, which maybe people didn't know. I feel like some of the some of these brands might be surprising. Maybe not as huge as Estee and L'Oreal, but like right there. They have a large market share for sure. And um, 
when I look at these brands in particular, they are more prestige. Yes. Right? You know, you got NARS and Laura Mercier. Also some legacy brands. Like NARS mm-hmm. and Laura Mercier have been around since I got interested in makeup. Mm-hmm. I mean, did did you not get told to buy the Laura Mercier tinted moisturizer? I remember that was like the one yep. thing that people told me that I needed to buy when I was a teenager. So Totally. Oh, yeah. And also, I totally forgot that Shiseido owns Drunk Elephant. Yes, yes. They bought them for $845 million. Remember we were thinking when Tatcha got acquired, we were like, oh, I bet you Shiseido really wanted to buy them. But which one came first, Drunk Elephant or Tatcha? That's actually a Drunk Elephant. great question. I can't remember. I feel like it, it happened around the same time because I'm sure that they were all like, it was like a huge bidding war over the two. Maybe Drunk Elephant was first to be acquired. Yeah, and then Shiseido ended up acquiring Drunk Elephant. So Incred, incred. Yeah, okay, then we have Unilever. When we talk about Unilever, if you are familiar with the beauty editing world, everybody knows about the big Unilever trip. Once a year, they bring in beauty editors from all types of publications to learn about the new innovations that all of their brands are going to be coming out with in the next year. I remember one time I went to one in Montauk. Um, I got flown from LA to Montauk and it was pretty fabulous. Is that the one? It was that the trip where the um, bus caught on fire? No, that was. Okay. I was not a part of that shenanery. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know her. I don't know of this fire you speak of. I met Lacey Redway on that trip and fell in love with her um, deeply. So yeah, that's the thing about these big trips too is that not only do they invite you know the beauty editors, they invite all of their ambassadors, all the hairstylists. Uh, makeup artists, derms, and they are all fabulous in their own right too. Exactly. So they bring people together. And and we mention this because Unilever has a huge portfolio. And it started off really as like a personal care brand. When you go as a beauty editor to something, it's called PCPC. It's always in Florida at the Breakers Hotel. It's very extravagant. You go with your sales team usually. And all the personal care brands are there to listen to what you as a publisher can do for them and then they show you their innovation and what they've been working on in hopes that down the line you can partner together on content and things like that blah 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 so unilever is one of the biggest personal care brands has brands in their you know portfolio like dove we we love dove it's just i'm a dove girl forever yeah we love dove you know who what i am sarah i'm a q-tip girl mm. i will always be a q-tip girl mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm always gonna want q-tips i'm always gonna want name brand q-tips oh. i don't want a cotton swab i want a q-tip <laughs> so they have vaseline my slugging uh queens Here. over there yep yep they have yep. tg loved tg back in the day Girl, can I tell you, TG is coming back. And Ooh. did you know that TG is responsible for most of Britney Spears's iconic hairstyles during her tours and performances? Oh, yes. That's why I like owned so much TG product back in the day. They have that one product that truly looks like a dildo. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's yep. It's some kind of styling cream, and yep. it just looks like a base with a big head on it. And then when you take yep. it off. The little pump looks like a little pee-pee. It's yep. very I rem- aggressive. They also had like that stick. Do you remember? It was like a stick of like wax. It was like a wax oh, stick. Oh, yes. 
Yes. And I would use that when I had my lucky hairstyle. So I would use it on the ends <laughs> of my, to make my hair just really flip out at the ends. I love that we both had the lucky hairstyle. It was so weird, so blunt. I mean, did you grow up in the 2000s and not have that hairstyle? Like you had to. Brit Brit pulled it off. We did not. She did. No. If anybody mm-hmm. from TG though is listening to this, I absolutely demand that y'all make that bedhead by TG crop top that Britney Spears wears in one of her, the most iconic photos. Oh, yes. I have been scouring eBay for this shirt and it doesn't exist. So please <laughs> just make another one so I can buy it. Okay. We're going to talk about another brand that has a huge market share in the personal health personal care hygiene category which is Procter and Gamble that's another brand that also holds a lot of editorial press trip at their headquarters in Ohio that was the first time I went to Cincinnati I've never been on one of those trips I've never been on a P&G trip it's actually really fun because we got to tour the lab they have like a huge lab so like you would love it because you're very much interested in the science and the formulations behind all of their products um and so they've been around forever as well since like since 1837 they own pantene head and shoulders herbal essences olay um i think olay was like one of the very very first brands that they owned sk2 gillette aussie Procter & Gamble also owns a bunch of other uh, brands in other categories like like soaps and stuff yes like soaps detergents yes like Downy and Febreze yep so there's like a very good chance that if you buy something at Target or the grocery store Procter & Gamble owns it but yeah very similar to Unilever I feel like those two are kind of like the the compete competitors right kind of like totally Estee Lauder and L'Oreal then we have Unilever and Procter & Gamble Exactly. And one thing you guys may have noticed for Unilever, I say Unilever, you say Unilever. Yeah, I'm sure it's Unilever. Let's call the whole thing off. I don't know. <laughs> it's Unilever. I think it's Unilever. Yeah, it's Unilever. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I say everything incorrectly, so I'm just going to assume I'm saying it incorrectly. I think you, I think you're correct in this case. Um, but Unilever has Tatcha, okay, which really is incredibly different from everything else in their portfolio. Procter & Gamble has SK2. Again, Mm -hmm. incredibly different from their portfolio. And I remember when Unilever acquired Tatcha, it said that Unilever Prestige acquired Tatcha. When I go through and I look, it doesn't seem, there doesn't seem to be a big separation between Unilever Prestige and regular Unilever. I think maybe to cater to the consumer's point of view, they want people to be like, okay, Unilever acquired Tatcha. It doesn't mean that they're lowering their formulation or price point. Right. And same with Procter & Gamble. I think those two brands especially are trying to elevate and get these more prestige brands into their portfolio. So it makes sense that, you know, they would venture out and and buy these mm-hmm. outlier brands to bring in. Okay, then we have Cody. And something I love to talk about when it comes to Cody is, well, first of all, here are the brands they represent. Sally Hansen, Rimmel London, Max Factor, GHD, CoverGirl, Wella, Clairol, OPI, and Philosophy. Again, you know, there's two um, more like UK, Europe-based companies, Rimmel and Max Factor, right? And then they have a ton of hair color categories and nail polishes. So like if you... If you're buying nail polish or buying hair color from the drugstore, 
chances are it's from pro or pardon me it's from cody but CoverGirl used to be a procter and gamble brand did you know that no i didn't mm -mm. a couple of years ago i went to a summit for CoverGirl, and their company essentially p g was i guess you could say they were dividing and conquering they're like okay in order to align ourselves more with brand strategy moving forward they sold what they called PNG specialty beauty business, which was PNG's fragrance, color cosmetics, salon professional, and hair care businesses to Cody in a merger to make Cody the number three beauty conglomerate in the world. Obviously, PNG still exists. It's just this specialty beauty business that they merged with Cody. <laughs> now, CoverGirl is under Cody, which if I'm CoverGirl, I'm, I'm happy about that. Because Cody has other makeup brands, right? Other other makeup brands in the drugstore price point mm -hmm. that are sold at similar retailers. So they, they kind of understand that world a little bit better than maybe Procter & Gamble does. Mm -hmm. Which, yes, they Procter & Gamble understands drugstore, but they don't have a ton of makeup brands in their portfolio, right? So it just makes sense for them to go to Cody. Cody also works with fragrances a lot. Cody fragrances. So if you have a perfume look to see who owns it chances are it's probably a cody perfume so now we're talking about johnson and johnson they are not only responsible for perhaps a vaccine that you might get <laughs> they also own a bunch of brands which i'm sure everyone already knows obviously johnson and johnson being one of them they own neutrogena they own clean and clear they own avino they own rock Lubriderm, another giant in the personal care. Consumer health is, is the category that they call themselves or they put themselves in with um, not only like skin and hair care, but they also have like, they make a ton of baby care products, obviously oral health care products. What does Johnson, Johnson & Johnson not make? They make pharmaceuticals, obviously. They make medical devices. Johnson & Johnson also owns a brand called Neostrata. It's more prestige than Neutrogena and their other brands in their portfolio. But what's really interesting about Neostrata, it's all based on science and research. The founders of Neostrata discovered alpha hydroxy acids. So if you use an alpha hydroxy acid, it literally came from the people that created Neostrata. I love a lot of their products. I use them. Full disclosure, I did a sponsored post with them last year, but their products are legit. So if you are looking for a really good AHA that's non-irritating to your skin, go check out Neostrata. By far one of the most effective skincare products I've ever used. It's really great. Crazy. I know. And you they don't really Johnson Johnson, obviously, like all their money is probably made by Neutrogena. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they totally. don't really tout Neostrata, but it's a great brand. This is a fun one. This is a fun one. Okay. If I were a brand, oh, no, no, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't yeah, say, don't that. say that. Don't I say shouldn't that. say that. <laughs> Even though I would so say the same thing. Let's not say that. <laughs> you, knew, you knew what I was going to say. LVMH, Louis Vuitton, Moet, Hennessy. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. Texas girl over here. No, it sounded perfect. I mean, what, what do I freaking know? You sound great to me. L LVMH is one of those brands that's, I guess, fairly new to the beauty portfolio, but they've acquired a lot of beauty brands over the past several years. Compared to like these, you know, big 
brands that are that were started in the 1800s totally they own some incredible brands from fresh beauty benefit cosmetics guerlain we don't talk about guerlain enough on this podcast but guerlain is legit amazing fenty all the fenty beauty fenty skin all that stuff owned by lvmh christian dior um sephora mark jacobs beauty bite ula henriksen makeup forever and kvd beauty which has been rebranded formerly known as kat fondi and it's getting rebranded again what yeah did you not see that they like completely wiped their instagram so they're no longer it went from kat fondi beauty to kvd vegan beauty oh that's right which was supposed to stand for who knows what and now it's just kvd beauty I'm actually really interested to try some of their new products that they're launching, but I think that they have a ways to go in terms of rebranding. They just need to completely drop KBD in general and change it completely. That's who LVMH owns. These are more prestige brands, obviously. These are people and brands that have clout from Dior to Marc Jacobs. They have... Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I I feel like these are crowd favorites, right? And then I wanted to talk about Kendo. So a lot of you may have heard of Kendo and thought, oh, this is a brand that acquires a bunch of other brands. Kendo is actually a brand incubator. They started as an arm of Sephora for private label development. Now they operate completely independently of Sephora and they still follow, uh, they still fall under LVMH, but they, they operate completely independently, which I think is smart because if you're not under Sephora, I'm guessing you probably have the opportunity to private label brands for Ulta and things like that too. And I feel like that's why um, Sephora always gets the exclusive on a lot of these brands' launches, right? Exactly. Yeah, you'll see a lot of times if it's a Kendo brand, they're not going to be offered in an Ulta. Um, it's just going to be strictly Sephora for an, any you know a, a given amount of time. Speaking of incubators, we wanted to cover incubators. There's there's a few, you know, um, they're moving up in the ranks. I have a feeling that this is like the new guard, I would say. These are the brands creating brands. And then, you know, well, hopefully they will make enough money that they can start acquiring new brands. Some of them are already acquiring brands. And I also wanted to add that I feel like these incubators are, although, you know, they are acquiring Uh, beauty brands that are founded by you know just I want to say regular people there's a lot of influencer backed celebrity backed beauty brands that they work with so first we have Forma which you all might know for Morphe as well as Morphe 2 Bad Habit which is uh, the brand that Emma Chamberlain is the creative director for we have Lipstick Queen Playa Beauty which I thought was a very interesting acquisition on Forma's behalf. Um, Such good everything and Jaclyn Cosmetics. Yeah, and as Sarah said, Lipstick Queen and Playa Beauty, brands that were created and then acquired by Forma, um, which I think is really interesting. Lipstick Queen is, is a very interesting acquisition to me. It raises a question that I think everybody has, which we'll get to a little bit later, which is how will Lipstick Queen's formulas change? since that acquisition Mm -hmm. if they will change at all right yeah i feel like that's always 
I mean, we it obviously is always a concern of like longtime fans. And I feel like oftentimes people are like, oh, there goes the formulas or, you know, got to stock up on my favorite product like now because it's going to change. And um, to Kirby's point, we're going to talk about that a little bit. So there's Mesa. And this is the brand that really, I think, is going to take a stronghold on the celebrity beauty market. They make Kristen S. hair care. Kristen is a you know celebrity hairstylist and had that following from the jump. So I, I think it was really smart to launch her brand. Um, Flower Beauty, Drew Barrymore's brand, which has been doing extremely well in Walmart. Heritage um, was created by a beauty influencer that has like a pretty big following. And I had a meeting with them, I think, late last year, earlier this year, and they're expanding hardcore so i think you'll only continue to see more of heritage and heritage is available at walmart tph by taraji p henson anomaly which i have mentioned in the past is priyanka chopra jonas's brand and i know they're working on more so mesa i think will be one of those brands that celebrities go to directly moving forward because they really understand that part of of the industry uh and then last but certainly not least we have seed beauty which is California-based. I guess Forma is too. Is Mesa? Are we all California-based here? Um, okay, so Seed you know because they made ColourPop, but they also helped to make Kylie Cosmetics, KKW. Kylie for sure is no longer with Seed Beauty, but KKW not either. Cody has a percentage. Yes, okay. Um, and then Seed also has Fourth Ray and Soul. So they are small, but they are mighty. And they've obviously proven that they can create really big brands um, within their own company. So um, I'm excited to see what else they come up with. So now we have some questions that were submitted by our listeners about brand acquisitions and how that affects the formulations, whether or not it's cruelty-free still. So we talked to some of our friends in the industry and um, got some answers for you guys. So first question, does a brand acquisition mean other brands have access to your formulas? Great question. Kirby and I were like, hmm, let's talk to someone who knows what uh, how this all works. So actually, can we tease that this person is an upcoming guest on Friday? Okay, great, because they are. So we spoke to Daniel Kiyoi. He actually is starting his own little incubator beauty brand as well. Um, But he worked at Tarte for years and years and years. Tarte was owned by a big Japanese um, beauty corporation that owns a bunch of other brands. So he is intimately familiar with how this works. So Daniel says that formula ownership is very complicated. It depends. Most of the time, small brands work with labs that will not give you the exact same formula as someone else. They will make it similar if you really, really push them and you really, really want like a very similar formula. It also depends on who acquires them. So if a brand is acquired by an Estee Lauder or a L'Oreal, they tend to move their the formulas to their own labs. So they're moving these formulas away from contract manufacturers to save themselves money. This, I feel like, is where fans of brands get really uh, concerned because, you know, when you're moving it from a small lab to a big lab, obviously things change and they're doing it to save money so yeah there there is a chance that those formulations will change however that's not always the case 
doesn't always happen, but it is very common. Um, a lot of the brands, they don't know where other brands are making the, their products. Daniel said they'll buy a product, take it to a different lab, or ask them to copy. It's basically saying, we love this formula, imi yes. imitate it. Figure out how to duplicate this. But they can't say they are also working on a formula for a similar brand or working on the formula for like that same brand. Like there's a lot of rules and contracts and things like that that protect these formulas. And that said, however, even if you pay the lab to protect your formula, it does not prevent people from trying to duplicate it, which I feel like we all know this, right? Um, so short answer, Daniel says, is maybe. <laughs> Too long, didn't read, is that just because a brand is acquired does not mean the formulas are available, but they could be depending on the deal that was made between the brand and the manufacturer. Also has to do with like the acquisition and the contract. So it really just depends. Yeah. I remember when L'Oreal acquired It Cosmetics, their CC cream, everybody's obsessed with it, right? And then Maybelline launched their Urban Dream cover and it was half the cost, but people kept saying it was a dupe. And the reason a lot of people said it was a dupe was because Maybelline and Ink Cosmetics are owned by L'Oreal. And people just think it's commonplace that, you know, trade secrets and, and things like that technology maybe is shared between different brands. That's not exactly true because obviously when you are a brand on your own, you have proprietary formulations and ingredients that you want to protect. Like that's the secret sauce, right? But... If one brand is killing it and they are coming up with a new idea for an ingredient or something like that in a product, maybe that is being shared with other brands in the portfolio to be like, hey, you need to be on this or you need to be figuring this out. This this needs to be included in an upcoming launch or whatever that is. So yep. is Urban Dream cover a dupe for It Cosmetics? Maybe. I mean, I think it's pretty close. It's not definitely not as heavy, but a lot of people do see the similarities. So again, it's one of those things where maybe, 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 maybe. big fat maybe. This is a very common question. Does the acquisition of a brand mean it's no longer cruelty free? The answer again, maybe. Not necessarily though. And I'm just going to break down exactly what it means for a brand to be cruelty free. It depends on if the brand is sold in China specifically mainland China. And when it comes to cruelty-free, really the biggest factor is if it's being sold in China. That's that's kind of like the TL didn't read situation here. It's very, very difficult to find brands within the United States that test on animals. I've talked to Renee Rouleau about this. You'd be hard-pressed to find one. It's just commonplace not to test on animals anymore. That's why you need to double check to see if your favorite brand is being sold in China. But all that being said, as of 2021, China has said that domestically manufactured non-special use cosmetics may be exempt from animal testing. This is a new development that happened over the past two months. So before it was like, just great. If you have a brand and you're, it's being imported into China to be sold, they required that those products were tested on animals, regardless of if you did testing elsewhere not on animals that proved it was safe they didn't care they wanted to double check and make sure that that was the case and they would test on animals i remember there was like a huge drama with nars because nars went from being cruelty free yep. to then being sold 
in China and a lot of people decided that they were no longer going to support NARS because they didn't feel comfortable with the fact that they were selling there, right? But as of the past two months, things like makeup, skincare, etc., those are considered to be non-special use. Um, so China is saying, okay, those things don't necessarily need to be tested on animals. Things like hair color will still need to be tested. So that's just something to keep in mind. Everything is like, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, maybe your non-special use product like a skincare or makeup product won't have to be tested unless it's, you know, made for children or the product contains quote unquote new ingredients. It's like, what is a new ingredient? What constitutes as a new ingredient? It's not very clear, right? So all that being said, the brands still have to go through certain certifications to not be tested on animals. I could get into it, but really just go to this website, Ethical Elephant. They have a really great primer on what constitutes as cruelty-free or not, in their humble opinion, being an expert in this category. And um, we'll include that link in our show notes. But the TLDR of this is no, just because a brand is acquired doesn't mean it's no longer cruelty-free. You really have to double check with the brand to see where they're being sold. I actually have not read that post. I would like to read that. Okay, then lastly, we want to talk about whether or not the person who started the brand has to leave after the brand is acquired. Not necessarily. Again, another maybe. So Kate Somerville was acquired by Unilever in 2015. Still very involved with the brand as the face and the business. You listened. I mean, if you have not listened to our episode with Kate, please go and listen to it. It's it's she's amazing. And she'll explain how um, how that how she operates um, uh, being the brand founder and being owned by Unilever. It basically just gave her access to all of these incredible labs so that she's now able to make these amazing formulations. Um, Bobby Brown, on the other hand, has no longer has any affiliation with Bobby Brown Cosmetics. When she left the company in 2016, signed that non-compete, fast forward to 2020, and she launched Jones Road Beauty. So she has a new venture, not named after herself. I interviewed her last year, and she still speaks, obviously, very highly of Bobby Brown Cosmetics, very proud of the, the brand that she built. Um, and obviously, her name is still associated with it, but no affiliation. Um, then we have Tatcha's founder, Vicky Sai, who we also have an episode with. And she spoke a little bit about this, I think. I feel like she didn't speak in very much detail, but we talked about it a little bit. She's still involved after being acquired by Unilever. I think I the post that I read is that she is now, she's CEO again of the company, which is amazing because we love Vicky so much. And then Jamie Kern Lima was very active working for Cosmetics SEO until she left in 2019. So again, just depends. It all depends. All right. So that's who owns who. Oh, I have the title of this episode in our notes. You don't own me, except you do. <laughs> Which brand owns you? I don't know. Which brand own you, owns you, Sarah? Oh, like my, yeah. Okay. Uh... Gosh, I, I think LVMH. Yeah. Or or Unilever. Honestly, Estee too. It's hard. It's My really money's hard. everywhere. What about you? I think I'm probably, damn, this is really hard. I think when it comes down to it, it's probably L'Oreal and L'Oreal, Unilever, and LVMH. Oh, Johnson & Johnson too. I don't know. I don't know. It's so hard. It's so hard. But I hope everyone learned something. I certainly I certainly learned something. Like I totally forgot some of these brands owned 
some of these other brands. So how do y'all feel about founders leaving their brands? Do you care about that? I personally don't. Get your money and retire. That's all. You worked hard. Go live by Oprah and Megan and Jamie Jamie Kern Lima. Seriously, she worked so hard. I I always get confused when people get mad when founders decide to peace out. They worked their ass off. They did what they needed to do. Now they're going to go retire and live a very good life. That's all you could ask. They probably spent hours and hours away from their family or doing things that they really wanted to do because they were building this brand. If they're able to step away and be rich, by all means, Yep. Go do it. Do you care if a brand has a founder? That's another question I want to know from the Glam Julianos. I personally do not care if a brand has a founder story. Everybody loves a founder story. I literally write a column for Allure about founders and them getting their big breaks. But it's like, that's cool. It's nice. But I just want products that work. I don't necessarily care if it has like a big heartfelt story behind it. I love a founder story. I know you do. But 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 I get it. No, I, I at the end of the day, it's like the product is the most important thing. SkinCeuticals, for instance, I'm sure there is a founder story. Have I heard it? Do I care? Nope. C.E. Ferulik smells like hot dog water and it works. Put it on my face. Put it all over my body. And then, yeah, our last question, we asked each other this, but what company has a hold on your spending? We want to know. We want to know. We'll put this, uh, qu- we'll put these questions up on our Instagram and Facebook and Twitter So be sure to be following us on social. And Sarah, do you want to tease really quickly our episode on Friday since we talked about it? If you care at all about how products are made and the business, the behind the scenes of a beauty business, um, you have to have to listen to our episode on Friday. Um, Daniel is one of the most knowledgeable people we know uh, in the beauty industry. Um, He's starting his own company called Magic Dusk, which is, um, you know, if we did this episode in a year from now, we for sure would be including him on the list. Um, He's still very new and we're going to, you know, let him uh, give the uh, whole rundown on on exactly what Magic Dusk magic dust is and what they do um but it was just such a delightful conversation and he talks also uh, about his experience being an asian american man working in the beauty industry and what that has been like um so yeah really really excited for this one yeah i know there's some glam julianos in the facebook group that have talked about creating their own brand and their own products and really wanting to know where to start and i think that this episode will be a good roadmap for that like what do you even do when you want to create a brand so hope you enjoyed this episode we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you on friday Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 